Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? Uh, doing good, Shad. I'm yeah. doing okay. Um, first of all, we want to say to everybody out there, thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening. Um, we're not doing our shout-outs this week because, well, it frankly... a little cheap, uh, yeah, considering. Frankly, um, you know, we're doing something important, and... As of um, as of this recording, we had actually gotten hit by the curse because um, since our last recording, uh, we saw the passing of both Terry Funk and Wyndham Rotunda, and um, both had a big impact on the business in their own way. And we thought, well, we really should um, push back the first plans that we had and you know, spend some time talking about guys who had a, you know, had a huge impact. One Um, guy who is, I mean, Terry Funk legitimately has argument as goat status. Yeah. Yeah. And some people like Eddie Kingston uh, (laughs) consider him to be the best of all time. And, you know, looking at him, looking at, well, I I am nowhere near like a Terry Funk uh, expert. Um, not that I don't like him, I actually like him a, a lot. It's just I haven't seen, I feel enough to qualify myself as an expert. Every, but everything I've seen, like I would agree, like he, it's, you probably should put him in your top ten, um, maybe top five. Yeah. Even if you don't consider him the best, like, and I am least, I'm saying that as again as someone who, I wouldn't, I can't say, oh yeah, it's top five easy, because like I just haven't seen enough. Um. So that's only I'm only doing it that way. I'm not because I th- I'm slighting him. It's just more like you're all I'm all speaking out of somewhat of ignorance, even though I've seen enough to like say, oh, my God, he was great. It's just like, oh, is he the best of all the top five? You, you'd feel like you oh, I need to see like so much of this person. Yeah. yeah. Really, uh, say, um, I comfortably I say like, we, oh, top five. But I think I've seen enough that I could be like, oh, top ten. Like he was amazing. I mean, we did yeah. a topic of flair versus funk, and it was a very real conversation. And I don't think it was like a clear cut answer one way or the other. Yeah. Now that was in in hindsight. Um, I think it 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 remains really tough because yes, Ric Flair is Ric Flair. And had lots and lots and lots of, um, That's you a- know, lots of lots of impact. But on the other hand, so did Terry Funk. But Terry Funk did it on at least two continents, and Terry Funk did it across. I think it's safe to say uh, three eras 
and was instrumental in kickstarting a new era, which the only other person that can really say something like that, I think, would be Hulk Hogan. Yeah, Hogan. Hulk. Yeah, Hogan. That's almost like who who's better. Um, Hogan or Terry Funk? Because like I the way the way I kind of maybe I'm color because the way I started uh, and through like the 90s mm-hmm. uh, when I first started watching wrestling. I watched early 90s, but I would just I would pour through whatever the video store had, which is mostly like it had some like WCW, NWA, old school and NWA stuff, but it's yeah. mostly like WWF stuff. Um, so I watched a lot of that. So I, I, I got Hogan like I understood Hogan. I loved Hogan. Um, and I, I that was I got into like Flair because right when he was like in the WWF, now WWE in early nineties. And then of course he came back to WCW. So I like, I got a lot of flair and of course we've seen, we all have seen like a lot of stuff afterwards. It's yeah. like, who's better. Like I'm heavily influenced by the fact to me, it's like, well, I, I think Hogan and flair are great. Not just because like strong workers, although we said before, like Hogan's a much better worker than people give him credit for. Um, flair obviously is like one of the best of all time or arguably the best of all time. But it's to me like, the ability to cut a promo and the charisma and the character matters a lot. And I feel in some ways, because they're, they're both like so larger than life. I almost would put them over Terry Funk, but Terry Funk's almost like, you can see why someone like Eddie Kingston thinks he's the greatest. Cause it's like, uh, Terry Funk is clearly one of those guys, even though he's great, like there's a lot to love about it. It's one of those things. It's like, if you are like an aficionado of wrestling, you're probably more likely to be like, no, Terry Funk's better than both of them. And it's like, because if you actually look and watch Terry Funk stuff, like he does everything yeah. right. And everything is actually way more intricate <clears throat> than you think it is. Like the character work is amazing. Like the, the little stuff that he will do in a match is amazing. Like he can believably be a shit kicker. Like yeah. he can believably be a comedy worker. Like he, uh, he got old and he got to like his fit, like the same age as like uh, Jericho is now. Um, Jericho kind of has reinvented himself like multiple times, but like Funk reinvented himself as basically like a hardcore brawler. Yeah. And kind of uh, a crazy and, old man too. Yeah. Um, which even kind of started like in 89. <laughs> and he wasn't even that old. Uh, but I mean, he, re- he some, People in a, in a week or so since he passed away, people pointed out it's like he didn't learn how to do a moonsault until like 95 or some crazy thing like that. There was a story that he did that on a Smoky Mountain card mm-hmm. and Cornette after the match ran up to him, and said, Terry, what the hell did you do? And he goes, I don't know, Corny, but I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> I'm sorry, Corny. I don't know. There's a there's a great... like, I shouldn't be doing that. I'm an old man. There, <laughs> he a... did it on Raw. <laughs> There's a great story. Um, it's it's on um it's on a PWI I think, where um, Lawler beat Andre by like count out in Memphis, mm-hmm. and I think the headline was like um, <clears throat> the night a midget beat Andre or something, <laughs> and then Vince Senior saw that and he's like pissed at Jarrett and Lawler, and they're in this big meeting because you know you weren't supposed to beat Andre. And then I think Terry Funk said something like, well, oh, shit, who were those guys, Vince? <laughs> <laughs> the thing that uh, the other thing that um, like we said, you know, Terry reinvented himself. He kickstarted 
he helped kickstart the ECW and, and everything that that rode into the rest of the, uh, into the rest of the wrestling world. But he wrestled, you know, he was old school NWA guy. He win the, he didn't win the title off Thez, but I can't no, remember who it was. he won it off of Briscoe. Okay. He lost, he oh. won it off Briscoe and then lost it to Harley. Okay. He, he, he was the one, he lost the belt to Harley race. Then in the, in the eighties, kickstarted that feud with flair then in the 90s was like oh you know we're going to do this ecw thing then went to wrestlemania and won the tag belts in a dumpster match then went to wcw to anchor it in this weird place where it's like well these guys are the veterans that can actually get us through a show without it being a dumpster fire so like all of that stuff and being this super nice, humble guy with everything he did in Japan, too. I'm not even talking about that because I haven't seen a lot of it. And nobody nobody has a bad word to say about Terry Funk. Mm. And if you were to come up to me and go, OK, you've got a promotion, you know, historical thought exercise in front of you. You have you can pick either Hogan, Flair or Terry Funk. Who do you pick? I'm going to look at it for a minute. I'm going, say, I'm going to take Terry Funk for a couple of reasons. One, Terry can do do a bunch of stuff. Two, Terry is multifaceted. He's insanely talented. He's great with promos and everything, and he won't cause problems. Mm-hmm. He's he's not the politicking type, and he's not the, hey, you want to see my dick kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, he absolutely should be up there. Jesus, uh, do you know he wrestled as late as 2017? What? Terry Funk and Rock and Roll Express defeated Brian Christopher, Doug Gilbert, and Jerry Lawler. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I forgot he did Juggalo stuff. Oh, yeah. Because oh. <laughs> he liked them because they actually paid him. Yeah. yeah, that's a funny story if you if you can find it from his book. So they, like, they did that thing where they... They they like dubbed over matches and he was mad at them. So they came to his ranch and kind of smoothed things over. And they're like, um, well, we want to pay you. And he's like, OK, OK. And he's like, well, they probably left me 20 bucks or he's like, or they might leave me like 40 bucks. And they left him like four grand. Yeah. 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 And and I think that it's. You got we we've all kind of hit on. It, just how versatile Terry's been and how good he was at talking to him in the building and how his, his Japan retirement appreciation speech. I mean, the biggest strike you have against Terry Funk is that he retired too many times. Oh yeah. But he had, it feels like a, a realness that oddly enough, uh, most similar to it is probably Eddie Kingston because there's this certain raw, aspect that comes through terry funk promos and and stuff like that that that's the closest analog to it i can think of and let's not forget he was right when he turned on tommy dreamer (laughs) because tommy dreamer was a coward he's like god you're goddamn coward (laughs) and i mean for he wouldn't i can't do like a a new york yonkers accent oh come on terry i thought terry i'm not nasally enough is that yeah i don't know how to do the tommy yeah gosh 
I'm slapping tires. Here, tires. Matt, let me I help you. <laughs> Matt, let me help you. If you want to get the Tommy Dreamer voice right, you've got to say, people hate me because I have two ponytails. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, he would have been wrong if, it, if he had picked a different partner than Jake the Snake. That was really the, uh, the takeaway yeah. from that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I also like so, Foley's book. I, we've, we've talked about that before where he finally wrestles him. He's like, oh, here comes like the famous like Terry Funk punch. And he punches him. He's like, it's like, Terry, like you actually punched me. He's like, oh, shit. You actually thought I was good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Ter- practice. <laughs> I love that. He's just Terry. You just hit me as hard as you could. I I, I, I looked at that the other day after the news broke. And it's like, Terry, you just you just. Hit me as hard as you could. And he goes, Cactus, you just thought I was really good all this time. <laughs> it's like, God. Uh, just, by the way, I did. I don't know if anyone, either of you did, but that's like after he passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the same the same day, I think, or maybe the, within like 24 hours. I don't know if you saw like Mick uh, posted a video, mm-hmm. which was basically like one of the last times he, he like met up with Terry. He like filmed it. Uh, and it's just like a, a brief clip. It's only like a couple minutes, I think. Um, and I think there were a lot of rumors. Like, I think it got shot down. I don't know if it was shot down just out of respect for Terry or whatever. But I think Morocco has said, Don Morocco has said that Terry was like in a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was having dementia. He had dementia. Um, we saw that picture of him. Yeah. Not that long ago. It was. I don't even think it was two months ago. And he looked real bad. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Because um, wasn't he standing with Dory and like Dory's older than him, I think. And we were like, wow, he looks a lot worse than his brother does. I mean, Terry passed away at 79 uh, yeah. and, and, and Dory is older than him. So Dory has to be in his like early 80s. Like Dory, I don't think it's like that much older. Than no. him. But um, Dory has Dory has also looked like he's been like 80 for like. Plus 30 years. But, no, um, now, now, Matt, let's be fair. Oh, He's looked 80, 80 for too. 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, that pic that you're talking about, I've seen it. And, but the video, uh, I had to study it closely. Like, it didn't um, it didn't seem to me necessarily. And it's a short clip. And, you know, it's not as if, like, Terry's, like, telling a story or something like that where you can really gauge, like, his cognitive functioning. But... Like he's he's talking in it, so it's it's to me it's like a, it's somewhat hard to gauge. It's like he has dementia, or he's just like older. I mean, the older people like. Well, and and they're the not. Other... I'm not saying they're not sharp, but I'm also saying like they're not going to be like they're not always like regaling you with stories. Well, and, and he could have um, they could be misconstruing what he has. He could have sundowners, which means during the day yeah. he's relatively fine, and then he goes off like the deep end when. It, Cause uh, I had yeah. a relative that had that. And if you went and saw him during the day, like they were a little, I mean, they, mm. they were like 85 and, you know, so they were a little cagey because of their age, yeah. but like, otherwise you wouldn't know anything. And then like, I mean, um, I know I, I said that I told that to someone afterwards. I said, I know it sounds terrible, but like, I missed the stories after they died of like yeah. just weird yeah. stuff they do because like, because if, if no one's listening has haven't had to deal with it like um you just kind of learn to laugh about like the the um the crazy stuff you just kind of enjoy the ride on them yeah yeah uh I, what i was gonna say is like in the video in that picture you're talking about 
um it's it to me it's almost like triggering it's uh i it made me sad mm-hmm. because he looks very frail and i mean i i i kind of shared this before but it's like my mom i didn't i didn't get too specific but like in tw- and basically December 2014, my mom had a stroke and mm-hmm. she recovered in a sense that she like she didn't have like cognitive limitations. But I mean, she was it did like greatly affect her like she it one side of her body was not paralyzed, but like extraordinarily weakened. Mm-hmm. And over the course of like the next year, she I you, I basically saw her like slowly go downhill and she had other issues. I've talked before, like. The main issue is like she had diabetes, which is like ultimately like what killed her and what caused the stroke in the first place. Is that she she had you know her circulatory system was shot because that's what diabetes does. It just eats you from the inside out. But like she was frail, like she and she became increasingly more frail. And it's like you. That's why to me it was like I hate when I see like that because it's like this they don't look good. They they look like this is trending downward. Remember um remember after Vince. Did the double quad tear like he got old like overnight? Yeah. He doesn't look frail to me, but yes, he he visually at least in his face went from you know the Mr. McMahon character of the late '90s like he does not look like that at all anymore. Like he I, looks old. Actually, he looks, he his looks voice. like he's, yeah, um, he looks like a version of his dad. He's which... he's been starting to look frail since COVID. Like he started mm. to look a little yeah frail. He um. Well, we don't know now. Now what he's like is he just literally had like major back surgery, so I don't know. Oh, I forgot like that, about that. He had like fusions that, and stuff, didn't he? I mean, I, for all like the evil shit, I think he actually has done in his life, and uh, you know, um, I'm not so hard-hearted that it's like I wish ill upon him, but I, it, it's all. I mean, this nothing, I guess, is across the board, but generally it's a bad thing when you're older and you lose start losing mobility in any way well that's why that's why a lot of times when you have an older relative or someone older and like they do something like fall and break their hip it's like they they check out like within like a year because it's like they it's like the same reason why like uh this is the odd analogy but it's like the same reason why if you're 45 like a 45 year old uh has like and you you've worked or that person has worked mostly like manual labor jobs and all of a sudden like they injure their back or something so they can't really do anything so they're in pain they're just like sitting around yeah uh, and oftentimes they get like hooked on opioids or some other stupid thing but they, they can't move around a lot they have <laughs> extraordinarily sedentary existence they gain weight like they have all these issues with pain and everything like that it's like yeah it's because like the human body actually is meant to be in constant motion like that's you're meant to be in constant motion that's why people who are in comas, things like that. Like they develop like bed sores and stuff like that. It's like, you're supposed to be move, like move around. You're supposed to get up, just start walking. That's why if you have surgery, I mean, which I just did, like they want want you up and moving about. It's like, you should, you need to do that. If nothing else, your, your lungs don't get like embolisms and things of that nature. That's my personal theory. Why so many um, people in our generation are on antidepressants because we've all ended up in white collar office jobs and like people just aren't mentally built for mm. it. And they don't put windows in the buildings cause that's an extra expense. But then most of the buildings do have lots of windows, but still. Oh, I, I, I I've worked in an office before where I, I had my own personal office, but because at that, that point in time I was like low in seniority. It's like I had an inner office yeah. 
so literally it was like a room with with no windows no anything so it's like yeah. if i had had the door closed for whatever reason i take a phone call or I'd, i was just focusing on work or something like that it's like it it could be like I, you, you could look at the clock and it could say like eight and it'd be like is it 8 a.m is it 8 p.m i have no idea it's like the time has no meeting within these four walls thankfully it's a lot like of the newer casino. thankfully yeah. a lot of the newer buildings have the elevators in the middle and then the cubicles mm. and stuff are all the way around and it's all windows. So that's a lot yeah. better than it used to be. Yeah. But you still go crazy though. Yeah. 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 Uh, I have an inner office right now. I'm not in it as much as I used to be, but still we moved offices and <laughs> I miss all the dogs on the park. Mm. Uh, yeah. But in any event, it's, it's hard because since Terry lost his wife, he had been kind of trailing off too. That's hard, especially if yeah. you've been together a long time. Who else? Oh, who else did that? That just happened. Oh, that was Stan Lee, I think. Um, didn't last was long past his wife. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know Scrubs called it broken heart syndrome, but I can't remember the other name they give it. Um, I think it's just, um, and I've read a lot about psychologically that you need a reason to get up to like yeah. at the end of life. And I think when like at that point, everyone else is dead and then your spouse is gone. Like, I think you just don't have much to keep you going. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've got to find something to do. It's something you find joy in or, or fulfillment. That's, that's different for everybody, especially when you hit retirement age, because, my God, I hit retirement age is going to be like, unless I absolutely have to. It's like, no, I'm not I'm not going to go find another job. You know, I'm going to take the opportunity to do the stuff I wanted to do because shit. But some people, that's what they want. That's what they want to do. Our you generation know, they, is never retiring. There's going to be no money for us. <clears throat> I am in the only state affiliated retirement system in the state of Kentucky that is fully funded. So it is very hard for me to conceptualize leaving it because it's like, I'm not defined contribution. I'm defined benefit. I was like a month before the cutoff. Um, I just, if you're listening, like there's, the, there's going to be no social security. We're going to get like pennies. Mm. I don't even think we're gonna get pennies on the dollar for what we're putting in because it's got, I don't even think it has 10 years of solvency left, and they refuse to do anything about it. They, uh, they were, they, they always claim, oh, it's 10 years. It's like, in reality, like, it should, it, it should or it might already be in the red. I think it probably already is. I think it went in the red, like, a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, part of what, what people don't know, part of what it does, I think, to, to kind of offset things, which is not nearly enough, but it's like, sometimes when people get benefits, like, they don't wind up getting as benefits and that's it would take a long time to explain why Mm -hmm. uh part of that is because like they there's another thing which is it's it's like a non-medically related thing uh some people get it some people get social security because you know they age out but sometimes you can get social security for medical reasons and if you get it for medical reasons um and sometimes you actually it's the same way with like with uh with age related Social Security, if you also make money elsewhere, like let's say you're old enough to claim, start claiming uh, Social Security and you, uh, you're you still working in a, in a job, just claiming 
social security while you're doing it because you've hit like what 65 i think yeah um they offset like let's say you're ordinary supposed to get like i don't know i'm just making up number, like thousand dollars a month uh but you're still working you're making it for like a certain threshold uh which i don't even think it's like that high then no, it's ridiculous like, like you could you couldn't even be making a living wage and he'll start docking you yeah money. but it's like you're let's say you're making like let's say you're working something you're making like not even a lot like fifty thousand. uh which yeah, you know, it depends upon where you live. If that's like a living wage or not, but that's like let's say you're making let's say you're making like the, that's mm, like median personal income in the United States around. Yeah, well, let's say you're you're making that. Uh, you might be older. Let's say you're like 66, but you're still working. You don't want to quit or retire. You're still working, but you want to you know you you can. So like, why not I claim Social Security? So it's like, well, you're obligated. You, you're you're allowed to get a thousand dollars a month on Social Security, but then it's like. Because you're still working, they'd be like, ah, you're working, make a lot of money. So on offset, like you're not gonna make a thousand a month. You make like two hundred. It's like, ah, that's not a lot. It's like, well, maybe two hundred would pay for some bills. So it's like it's not nothing. But it is also like a scam because it's like, like, hey, I, I paid this money into the system. Like you're taking this money out of my check every every and month. And they taunt pay, you with like those annual check. statements like, of like you've put yeah. this much money in that you'll never see a fucking. Where am I talking? Yeah, so it's like it's kind that, of. A, I mean, the social security is kind other... of a Ponzi scheme, honestly. Oh no, it totally is. It totally, yeah. it absolutely is. Uh, this is like uh, this is like a whole other argument, but I think, and I don't think there's like the main reason why people are like this, but I think, or politicians are. I mean, uh, I. I, I <laughs> I also feel like Democrats and and like Republicans are probably I think I'm like down on both parties. So it's like, sorry, if you're one or the other, um, I think both parties are, are that's partly why they're like, oh, let's have a lot of immigrants come here. Because I think I actually think they want immigrants to come here and like be part of the scam. It's like, oh, they could pay in Social Security like we could fund it that way. It's like, <laughs> don't try and get people trying to move here for a better life and into your pyramid scheme. Like, but I think that's partly what they're doing. I don't think it's well, the they want to. Both parties have their um, incentives for wanting, um, especially the illegal immigrants here. Yeah. Why it doesn't get fixed? But also, though, George Bush tried to fix it twenty something years ago now, and uh, the Democrats totally pretend, and the media totally pretended like uh, there was no problem when there clearly was. And I'm not even saying his idea was good, but there was a chance to have this conversation like two decades ago, and we chose I, was, not to just because uh, we didn't want to give one party a any sort yeah. of moral victory because it it's wasn't, a team sport. It wasn't even – and we was with, with Bush. But, I mean, like 15 years ago? Wait. No. no uh, it's closer to – it's like that. 18 years 2012. ago. Like 2012. The 2012 – so 11 years ago. Like the 2012 election when it was uh, Romney yeah. and, and what's the other guy? Oh, of uh, Ryan, Paul. No, well, yeah, Obama. But I oh, mean, Paul, Paul Ryan, Ryan, I think was the. Remember, like Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan wanted to like address entitlements, of which like Social Security is like the biggest entitlement. Um, and remember, like there was there was like ads where it's like, oh, he wants to. Th- they, they they had like a Paul Ryan look like to like, throw a gr- old grandmother like in a wheelchair off a cliff, and it's like in symbolizing it's like he wants to take away all the old people's money, and it's like, well, I mean. Again, you could say like, well, his ideas were wrong in the sense like his his solutions, his proposals, but like he wasn't wrong in the sense like a title and it's like 
we're going off a cliff at some point. Well, we, maybe, yeah, we are. Like, he'd be like, oh, he's throwing Graham off the cliff. It's like, no, we're all heading off the cliff. It's because uh, it's point. it's because it's a fun like I I hate throwing the term around and like doing the generational stuff, but the problem yeah. is is like it's a bunch of boomers saying fuck you got mine and they don't give a shit because yeah. they can just kick the can to the Gen Xers and the millennials to like hold the bag on. Yeah. And then we'll pro and then we'll probably just fucking kick the can too the zoomers and whatever comes after the zoomers like it's just what we do it's like all this like mass spending they're doing it's like and like they, they're just like we have to spend this money or everyone's gonna die and it's like how are our kids gonna pay for this uh they aren't like you guys uh, are literally just slapping each other with trillions and trillions of dollars like and the, this 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 is made up money well, I mean, you know, pay pay tr- billions or trillions on bill after bill, and then it's like, wow, why, why is inflation so high? It's like, come on, guys. Like, I'm not even, I'm not even remotely like a, a economics expert, but it's like I don't have to be. I could just have to be like a, a semi-rational person to be like, huh? Uh, if I just keep paying money and not like cutting anything. Uh, and just continue to borrow without paying it back. Like, just print uh, off, wonder, just wonder print why off I'm having financial difficulty. Well, it's like there's something absurd. Like, I, I, I'd have to look up the exact number, but it's more than like I think 80% of all money that's ever been in circulation has been printed in like the last decade or something. Yeah. Because that's what that's the thing they started doing. I mean, they've always done it, but it got real bad um, during the 2008 recession. Is they realized, oh, hey, we can try and cover up this recession by just printing a shitload of money and throwing it out there and like giving yeah. it to people. So um, Terry Funk, <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm dragging us back over to that because uh, I yeah, it, it is it is important stuff worth talking about. But I, I don't know how many of you all tune in to hear well, that and, sort of and thing. We're not being partisan about that. Like it might say we're coming from one political thing to the other. But like I would literally just send them all on a boat across the ocean and sink it halfway. Oh, I mean, I I would argue I'm nonpartisan that, that I absolutely hate both parties. Yeah. But that you are correct. It's like it's neither here nor there. Like yeah. I hate them both equally. Yeah. Uh, so I, I did. Oh, go ahead, Chad. You had a thought. Yeah, I was just gonna say. So Terry Funk. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> I was gonna add. I don't know if people follow the uh, Dark Pura Resso. Uh, f- I think it's Flosion account. Yeah, on it's Flosion. Yeah. Flosion. Uh, he in the days since uh, Terry died was posting uh, a bunch of stuff, and one of the things he posted. Uh, was Terry just I think it was him. Well he he was posting a bunch of uh of clips that uh, from Terry like in, in Japan. Uh uh tagging with his brother mostly tagging with his brother Dory. Um but it was like him tagging uh having matches tag matches mostly with like uh his brother against like Giant Baba, uh Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was absolutely they were absolutely amazing. It's like it's mostly, or I think exclusively, it was from all Japan, uh, and I think predominantly just from the 80s. 
um, maybe the late eighties even too. And it was like this this stuff was amazing. There was a match he posted where it was like a tag match, and Terry was like going toe to toe with Bruiser Brody, and like Bruiser is bloodied, and, and it is incredibly violent. It's like, and it wasn't like uh, it nowhere what would it be considered like a hardcore match it wasn't like that it's just like it was two de- two dudes just like wailing on each other mm. and it looked brutal it was it was clearly like all japan style it's like let's see let's watch two guys like fuck each other up <laughs> in ways <laughs> that it's like they they are so blurring the line between like this being like work and a shoot it just like it made terry look like a world beater like going up against a dude who's obviously like has a reputation as being like tough as nails, uh, and he's also like giving it to to Stan Hansen, who is just a beast. Mm-hmm. Like it is just amazing. And someone I don't know that it was him. Someone else I think posted on Twitter the stats for Terry. Like Terry had I think had overall had like 500 something matches in Japan, like mm-hmm. between like his entire Japan portfolio. And 500, like, there are guys who, like, probably nowadays, it's like, they have to be wrestling maybe, like, 10 years close to it to get, like, that many matches. And Terry obviously had a much, a very long career. But it's like, the he, like, they posted or I think they noted, like, the people that he worked with. And, I mean, think about that right there. It's like, I named three guys, like, Baba, uh, Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody. Uh, and, I mean... Terry had feuds with guys like Abdul the Butcher, who I never thought was a great worker, but at least was like a very he, obviously Abdul is like a legend because he was a very notable worker. Uh, the Sheik, the original Sheik, like another guy who like I don't know that he was a good worker, but again very notable, like like very notable, legendary character. It's like the guys that he he worked in Japan, the matches he had, five hundred something matches. It's like if the guy literally did nothing. It's like that was his career. The 500 something matches in Japan. That was his career. That's all he did. It's mm-hmm. like he would be. I, I, I don't know if you'd say like, oh, he's goat status, but like he would be Hall of Fame easy. Yeah. Just just on that work alone. And of course, that's not what he did. He did so many other great things. Uh, mostly, I would say in the 70s, early 80s, uh, long before we even like approached the 90s, where he was doing ECW, hardcore stuff, Smoky Mountain, all that other stuff. Wow, he worked Sputnik Monroe in wow sixty five. Yeah, he worked uh, Ted DiBiase's dad, Mike DiBiase, oh, Iron yeah. Mike. Yeah. One of the things that always stuck out to me was watching Beyond the Mat, mm-hmm. and they have that whole section about Terry Funk. And first of all, you got to see just how kind and tender terry was with his family right mm-hmm. yeah and and that was that was honestly and i know barry blostein's trying to make everybody look good because they agreed to be in his movie but then terry goes to the doctor and the doctor goes well um here's how this one is and here's how this knee is and terry's like well okay what uh what would i need to do to keep living at a decent you know, uh, quality of life. And the doctor's like, I don't know how you're walking right now. <laughs> Cause all of the cartilage in one knee was gone and the other one, like most of it was gone. And, but you know, there he was still out there plugging along. Um, 
and if if you if you just look at Terry Funk and say his career is notable for being a tough old man, that that has some credit to it, but you're missing out on a lot. Mm. And just the sheer adaptability of changing what he did from, like Brad said, the 60s all the way up into the 2000s and, and being able to stay relevant in two countries. That's he was relevant in Puerto Rico, too. That's that's technically a, a U.S. A province. But, but yeah, I mean, that widespread, that relevant, that longevity and being, a, a you know, a, a forebearer of something that that, you know, changed the wrestling business, you know, in the late mid late 90s in a huge way. It's like, dude, he's got to be up there. Gotta be. And yeah, the world's a little darker without a minute. And yeah. um it's a shame. Ooh, and he wrestled Victor the Bear. <laughs> I wonder if that's on tape anywhere. But it's a shame. But you know, we'd kind of been since his wife died, he hadn't been doing well. It was kinda of like a well, it's a shame it's happening, but you kinda of knew the clock was ticking. Yeah. Um the other person oh, go ahead Matt. That that's kind of that's kind of like the story, right? It's like it's very sad that Terry passed away, but it's also like, well, I'm not no one's really that surprised only because mm-hmm. like he was older, you'd heard that he wasn't in great health. Um so while it's it's tragic and terrible, it's like, well, it's again, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, you have like a relative or or someone that, you know, that's like, well, they're not doing great. So I'm not really yeah. necessarily surprised at what happens. But yeah, uh, kind of it's start preparing it, it hurts. For it. Yeah, it hurts because it's like, oh, I don't want this to happen. Yeah, but you're uh, kind that's of what I was for looking it. for. 124, 1969. He wrestled Blue Fez in St. Louis. There it is. Wow. Just. Man, that's that. God, just uh, that. That is such a body of work. Man, but what I was saying is, you know, we kind of knew we if if you were aware, you kind of knew it was coming. And the shame of it is it was followed very closely by one that we did not expect coming. No one, I don't think, expected. Yeah, there had been, I mean, we didn't expect it coming, but there had been hints uh, that something was going on. We knew Wyndham Rotunda, Rotunda, also known as Bray Wyatt, he had been out since the the unfortunate uh, Mountain Dew pitch black match with L.A. Knight back at, what was that, the Rumble? I don't remember. Yeah, it was the Rumble. It was a, it was that long ago. Oh, yeah. you're right because I think I had heard a story where again everything's like anecdotal. Who knows? But I had heard a story on on Twitter that someone like saw him and and saw him like I almost feel like they saw him at like a traffic light or something. Like something where some place where it's like you look over and it's like wait I know that guy and they saw him like some some situation of that nature and someone asked him like oh man Bray Wyatt like, are you gonna be at a 
you be at Mania this year? And he was like, he I, he like was polite, but he was like, yeah, no, I'm okay, man. I'm not gonna, I won't be there this time. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, he wasn't, he didn't disclose anything, like he didn't have to, but he was, he was, you know, nice because one of the things we've learned, and uh, fortunately in the days since, that he was always very nice and polite. Yeah, with, Rob, uh, Rob Naylor had people. a real um, touching story about them, about <clears throat> him. The um, so you know he had been out since January. He, he had been gone for eight months, and yeah. as it turns out, he had gotten COVID and it had um, basically drug up a pre-existing heart condition. When he and, had, I thought it, I thought it agitated the previous like thing he had had an issue with that caused it. What I saw was it was an existing one, but I I, I don't know, and I didn't go looking for how. Um, okay. Cuz he had had some other mystery illness a while ago, didn't he? Well, he was he had gotten caught in that that meningitis wave that went through the WWE locker room that one time. Okay. And he was out for a while. But he he came back and he did that and it was probably a case of really trying too hard um with the whole howdy gimmick and that sort of stuff, but to be honest with you, I was kind of waiting for that to end and shake out so that he would he would settle a little bit because, I mean, the guy had come up with two just absolutely killer gimmicks that had been uh, basically died to Vince McMahon's impatience. And then we just got word one night that his dad had called Triple H and said, well, he's gone because he had a heart attack. Which it turns out. Uh, I don't know if, well, I, I'll just say like he, I guess he passed away. He went, he took a nap. Yeah. Um, had a heart attack, passed away in his sleep. Which the only thing you can say is if he died in his sleep, then it was hopefully I'm, ins- I'm a little, like instantaneous. I'm gonna mm-hmm. say when the details came out, I am a little mad at him, even though my dumbass probably would have had the defibrillator in the car too. But um, I'm a little I'm a little upset with him about that. But like I said, like I would have probably made the same mistake of, well, I'm just going to lay down for 30 minutes. Who needs the fucking thing? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, he he had uh, I guess he, he was supposed to wear a defibrillator. Yeah, uh, he was in allegedly he was in the hospital with a heart issue um, the week before. Uh, but <laughs> we don't know what that <laughs> excuse me. I don't know what that is. I mean, he yeah, quote be in the hospital for a heart issue. It's like he could have had like some sort of heart cardiac issues, but it wasn't. It, it, him being in the hospital means like uh, I'm having like palpitations, so let me go. I'm having this heart issue. Let me go to the hospital, the emergency room, because that's a sensible thing to do given the recent heart issues I've been having. So he could have done that because hospitals are like they are. Like he could have gone. They kept him overnight for monitoring and then released him the next day it's like it's he, he's not in there for like a week so saying like oh he was in the hospital for heart issue it's like that's it could be deceptive uh but he was given some sort of external defibrillator Which yeah like, me, yes that makes he me apparently think left in the was, car that makes yeah. me think though it was an ongoing enough issue where the doctors are like hey you need to well we don't know and I, i'm not saying you're wrong brad but I am saying we don't I we don't know what the doctor said, because the doctor could have said, hey, 
you know, take this with you. You may, you probably want to use it. Or if the doctor is like, take this with you and wear this every time you lay down. We, we don't know what, all I saw was it said doctor recommendation. I would, I'm just, I did preface that saying though, I probably would have done the exact same thing. And, and it, it, it sucks. Okay. Just, just to start with, it just flat out sucks because we have a guy who, the only bad thing I have heard, I, I I can ever, and I was a huge mark for the guy. I was such a big mark for the guy that I basically patterned my last gimmick, my best gimmick, off of him. And so, you know, I, I'm I'm keeping an eye on this because I mean, God, you know, this this was a guy that inspired me a lot and that sort of thing. And the only thing I could find that was negative was. He and his ex-wife had a really bad separation and and child support stuff, and I don't know what all was at play there. I know that can happen real fast for I, a lot of people. I think that's hard to that I have a hard time judging people on that because people can have a real good way of bringing out the absolute worst in each other. So sometimes yeah. it's not a fair judgment of a person. Yeah, if you've be, been that close then you know how to get on the other person's nerves and and i've seen people i've seen people in toxic relationships where like there it's the worst version of themselves and then they get away from that person and then they're mm-hmm. like it just happens sometimes like so i'm not going to i'm not really i'm not going i i've never really held that against him even though there might have been some things i didn't agree with that he did but like i i wasn't living his life or hitting his situation and that stuff can be pear shaped real easy yeah. And so the thing that really gets me out of this whole thing were and and Matt alluded to this, but were the stories that everybody told where they show up and he immediately like every story everybody has told has been like, look, I showed up and I wasn't sure what was going on. And, you know, I'm just standing there by the curtain because I'm the new guy and I'm trying and he takes him under he. Puts his arm around him, and goes, "Come on, man, let's let's go get you something to eat." Or, "Hey, you know, let me let me talk to you about how we do things." Or, you know, "Hey, let me give you some advice." Well, that was Naylor's story. They were at Dustin's yeah. funeral, and he was just standing there, and he's like, he's like, "Hey, Nails, like, come over here, like, you're gonna you're gonna sit with us today, like, you're part of the family." Yeah, think about that for a second. This is a wrestling as a business has historically been one where nobody tells you what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to figure it out on your own. That's supposed to be part of the process. And Bray's just like, no, man, don't, don't do that. Don't come on, come with me. Let, let's talk for a minute. And there was Becky Lynch's story. The, the one that she chose to share was she's supposed to do a tables match. And she's like, look, I haven't ever done this before. And he goes, well, come on, let's go do it. And she's like, what? And he's like, look, come on, let's go do it. And he took her out there, and they practiced like quick table setup stuff together. Or, um, okay, I'm gonna white knuckle to get through this one, but Seth Rollins' story about where he was talking to Bray after uh, Brody Brody Lee passed, and Bray said to him, he said, "Just go hug that baby girl, man, because that's that's the important thing right now. Just just hug her real close, mm. like." Over and over and over again, we just we, not only did we see 
stories of this guy being very creative with his gimmicks, but just being a really he and Brody were apparently really similar, just being really good dudes behind the scenes and yeah. taking P- Finn Balor came up from NXT and like one of the things apparently you're supposed to do is when you're new you're supposed to help clean up the locker room at the end of the night and he's going picking stuff up and Bray goes man what are you doing you don't you don't need to be doing that like just looking around and taking care of people around him and that that made it worse for me you know to to hear that this guy that that had an you know had a creative vision that that resonated with me because it's not me but I can I can put that character on and do the gimmick and really getting into that and then as it turns out he was even better backstage than he was in person and it's it's just really I told my wife, I said, I feel really – this feels really stupid because I'm feeling broken up about someone I never met, someone who I just saw on yeah. TV, someone who I had no personal interaction with. This should not – I should not be you know, my, my classic tough guy attempt upbringing stuff coming in. I should not be feeling this way, and she goes, this is somebody you admired. He may not have been a hero, but you admired him and, and, and admired his work. It's okay to feel bad, and I was just like – and you know it was a lot to process. Well, well and I think I mean, uh, if... Booker T, I think learned on like a podcast, and he just started crying. Yeah. Oh, they live. They, they showed that clip, which it's like I don't, I hate it when that happens. That sort of thing happens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was real, but it's like, you know, I don't need to see that. Because uh, he, I, I don't know how close or not close he was with Bray. I don't know, but he, he certainly, they've worked for the same company for yeah. years, so I'm sure they knew each other. So you're talking about someone who is, uh, at, at the least, was a, was a work co-worker, a colleague, uh, and maybe they were close, I don't know, like, uh, were they they're of different wrestling generations, so was, were, were they the same as, like, Bray and, like, Big E, for example? Well, know, more contemporaries. I know Taker mm-hmm. had I know Taker had like reached out to him like a couple of days before he died and was just like, "Hey man, you ever want to talk? I'm I'm here." Yeah. That was that that thing where god, it took years too long, but that moment where Taker passed the torch like he had uh he had Ellie out for the choke slam and then tossed him over to Bray for Bray to drop him. He steps mm-hmm. over and says something to him and then leaves. That's what he said. He goes, "You ever need to talk? My phone is on. Just call me." He pat that was like passing the torch whenever Vince wouldn't let him, you know, win the damn match, which should have happened, but that's neither here nor there. It's like, you know, I'm sorry, I, I'm 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 going on too long. No, you're fine. Um, regarding like his uh, how Bray, the real person, was like. Now that I think about it, like I don't think I have actually heard. Uh, a bad thing about him in terms of like, I never heard, uh, Oh, Bray Wyatt has like an attitude, things like that. The, the, I would say the worst I've probably heard about him, which is, I wouldn't even say this is like a, a character flaw. That would be like, Oh, what an asshole Bray Wyatt is. Uh, I, there was always rumors or, you know, dirt sheet stuff that it's like, ah, he doesn't like his booking direction. It's like, have you seen how he's, yeah. <laughs> how he's been booked? Or yeah. How the Fiend has been booked. It's like, he has a right to be that way because, 
they made him change the whole Bray Wyatt cult gimmick to like the fiend, and it's like, well, that's maybe not the best, the worst thing actually, so because I, that it's good in wrestling to have something new, and he took the fiend and ran with it and actually made it interesting. I don't know how much was him versus like the writers, but I, I, he's someone who's creative always. He's had the, the rep for being like had a lot of creative input into what he was doing, and some of this is like his ideas, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, and sometimes you can go too much to stuff. That's why like sometimes it's good to have a writer or a buffer to be like, yeah, that idea is good. That idea is a little much. Like, let's go with this well, great I idea. Think, I think um, mm-hmm. I think creative tension really breeds good work sometimes. Yeah, can. And I think you need that. But I was gonna say too. Speaking of booking, has mm-hmm. anyone ever come back from a worse gimmick than he had? in nexus oh going from husky harris to reinventing himself yeah that was very few probably yeah the the only matt the only thing i was gonna i can remember hearing anyone poor say outside of the domestic thing was Hmm. well no we released him because he was hard to work with and it's like shut up you were they were doing character assassination on everybody they released through then i mean like oh this person's hard to work with Oh, Stephanie! Oh, I mean, Stephanie's not a good at her job. We fired her too. And it's like they did that. To that that's that is, yeah, that's their mo. Like but I he, love how. But I mean, they uh, they think. But people were saying. Remember when Goldberg did that first run with them, and everyone was saying he's being hard to work with because he was protecting his character. Like, I think I think top guys like him. We've talked about it before. Need to be a bit selfish because you have to protect yourself and. I mean, if he was difficult to work with because he was protecting himself, I mean, well, that's that's part of the business. Yeah. Um, there's a certain amount of, uh, you know, making sure you're not being taken advantage of. But, you know, this is this is a guy who, who like the the Wyatt family was more over than the shield when they feuded. Like you had you had the shield and the whites against each other, and by the way, you had the crowd flipping out before they ever even touched. And you've got they got um, well both teams they got Jerry Lawler and Bradshaw to break character on a pay per view. Yeah, and and like mark out for it, didn't they? Yeah. I. It just it it really, and and the fact that he was what he was thirty six. Yeah, that's the worst part. Yeah, I mean he—that's younger than me. I was—I was imitating a gimmick of a guy who was younger than me when I did my hill preacher thing, and I mean it's one of those creative things that doesn't—it comes along so rarely. And um, I, for the first time in years, I watched the the SmackDown after he passed, and um, they did more Bray stuff than they did Terry Funk stuff, but Cody did a really good Terry Funk send-off segment. And they they, just, they were on short shift for that, though. I think they had, what, like... They had a couple of days. I and, thought they had, like, about a 36-hour turnaround. I mean, whenever... Until the Brody Lee Memorial Show, the, the gold standard for that stuff was Raw is Owen. Yeah. And they had they had 24 hours. If they had done that, you know, they they could have done that too. But it was less overthought era, though. Yeah, but you had um, one of the things that struck me is uh, L.A. Knight comes out at the end to do. He's doing a promo, and he managed to very, very impressively weave together 
a tribute to Bray Wyatt, absolutely verbally murdering The Miz, and then paying tribute to Bray Wyatt again very seamlessly all together. And then they had um, two big send-off moments. One was at the beginning after the Ten Bell Salute where Rowan and Strowman were both there. Um, they did the spotlight on the rocking chair, and then at the end of the night, um, they did the shutdown thing they used to do when The Fiend was going to show up, and they had a a uh, backlit picture of him in the ring up on the Tron and just the lantern in the ring. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, as much shit as I give that company, when they get something right, they get it really right. Yeah. And they they – they got the opening segment of that show and the closing. Sorry if you heard that. Right. I just smashed my the my heel <laughs> into, the, into like the wheel like the wheel well of my chair. Okay. If you wonder but what that noise I made was? I just smashed my. They got the opening segment of that show and the closing segment really right. And um, if you want, honestly, I think the best tributes are is if you go through Twitter and Instagram and stuff. His his peers his co-workers uh, telling stories about him um that's that's and he i know he took brody's death really hard and i can't imagine how eric redbeard eric rowan is feeling right now and stroman too i guess like i can't imagine how bad they're feeling stroman um, and a bunch of i don't know if you saw uh stroman and a bunch of wdb workers like uh i guess got a tattoo got a tattoo of the mm. Bray Wyatt Firefly logo. Oh, wow. Uh, it's like a tribute, which it's like, uh, you can feel how you feel about tattoos. Uh, I don't have any. Like, I might consider one someday. But, I mean, if you, you cared about a guy, loved a guy, like, that's a pretty, like, permanent reminder of the guy to attribute to him. It's like you're inking your skin, which is going to be there until you pass away. Mm-hmm. So it's... Uh, uh, it's there's a lot of people that commented the rock even and he doesn't just comment about wrestling stuff mostly like he had a comment about it so i mean this i'd argue again terry it's like he's older it's like when when an older wrestler dies it's very sad some of the level of terry funk he passed away it's like now it's big um but someone young like it's 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 a lot and someone as big and notable as Bray Wyatt, who's still, who's still technically like a current worker. Yeah. Um, it's big. Like this feels like the biggest sense. Uh, and I don't mean it to sound Brody, callous, really. but yeah. like, yeah. it's sad that Terry Funk died, but Terry Funk got to live his life. Mm. It, it, Terry Funk had a, a big full life. And like you, like we said earlier, he was kind of on the way out. We, we knew he was, we knew he was on the downslope. Yeah, and he and if he had kids, he got to see them grow up and have lives and stuff. And like Bray didn't get to see any of that stuff. Yeah, and Bray had finally, finally just gotten the torch from Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And I mean, shit, man, this it it just really sucks. And it, it it was definitely a um, it was 
definitely a uh, a cloud over the business for you know for for that week or so. And we're not going to get into what came in that the cloud moved on from, but it's it's just yeah. Are we are we good for um, this episode then? I think so. Unless you guys have anything to add, I'm sorry, I've been talking a lot this second half. No, it's uh, hard to it's hard. I I just it's hard to come up with things to say really. I mean, outside this was all last minute. I mean, this stuff happened within the last like week. Like Terry, yeah. I believe, died like the 23rd. So last uh, that would have been like last Wednesday. Yeah. That's about mm-hmm. Um, and then Bray, it was that that all broke Thursday. Um. Mm-hmm. And I only know because I am in, as you know, uh, rolling uh, group text with uh, three three people, uh, and one is not he, he knows wrestling. He's gone to wrestling shows. He's not like a wrestling fan per se. Um, but the other two are uh, friends of the show, <laughs> uh, Christy Petrillo and uh, Dames Damon Gonzalez. So all I know is like they they texted uh, in the group text, and it's like. They're like, oh my god, Bray Wyatt, and I'm like, whoa, what, what is this? And it's like I immediately like we went on oh, the the internet basically, and it's like Bray Wyatt, it's like Bray Wyatt passed away. I'm like, holy shit, yeah, because uh, it's big and it's like obviously very unexpected. Um, so I was shocked hearing it. I think I heard it like midday or early afternoon Thursday. Uh, uh the only thing I'll add is that this has kind of like been popping up. Uh, on social media a couple uh last couple days i mean i think the last the last couple days uh, we're a couple days away from like, AEW's big all in pay-per-view which everyone was focused on that just because you know it's a huge pay-per-view but there are some people uh and th- they may have said this at the very tail end of last week but they're kind of reiterating it uh last day or so like there are people who have suggested like actually like even though in theory it would be like well it's early it's like, no, they should actually, uh, in 2024, induct Bray Wyatt or the Wyatt family into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, it's early, but it's like, mm, actually, you know what? I'd be okay just, with that. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, you don't, don't yeah. sit around and don't you dick could, around and wait. Do you could do the entire. I'm still alive. Jesus. You, you can do the entire, entire, I think you should do the entire unit. I mean, if you want to include. He's part of it. So if you want to include Braun Strowman in that too, it's like, like it's, it's certainly like there are people, there are guys like Coco Beware who are in it, and not to hate on Coco Beware because we we actually like Coco Beware a lot on this uh, yeah on this podcast. Both as like a worker, he's a much better worker than you give him credit for. But it's like he's uh, like uh, you guys I think have met him and he's like super personable and nice mm-hmm. guy. I haven't yeah. met him yet. You guys have made attention and talk talk to him for a bit because he's apparently like a really like he's a colorful colorful and like really fun character yeah but anyway it's like think about like the accomplishments they had i think some some degree or actually multiple degrees of them won tag titles like brody and eric won tag titles Uh, i think with twice okay okay um braun has well i'm not has Brian won the tag titles besides the one he won with the child? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he won it with so. Ricochet, didn't he? I didn't think they won the tag titles out of that. No, maybe. Uh, I know Brody won like the Intercontinental title. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
Bray and Braun have both won the world title. Like they have, they are incredibly accomplished as a unit and mm-hmm. individually. So it's like they've done more than almost everyone who, outside of like a few obviously legendary workers that have been inducted, it's like they've done more than most people. Like mm-hmm. Bossman's in it, right? And it's like he was a great character, but it's like he, I think, won a couple singles titles uh, in like the late '90s. But it's like he didn't do a lot. He may have won the tag titles, I think, actually, now when I think about it with Shamrock. But it's like, he did. They have, yeah, yeah, that's true. The Wyatt family as a unit has more of a claim to get in than, uh, you know, guys like Bossman. I don't even hate on Bossman. I think Bossman's great. But uh, I, mean, I think that I like the idea of putting them in. My only my only disagreement with that, and it wouldn't count for the WWE Hall of Fame, but Bossman's like Hogan's highest drawing opponent. And that's but and that's not even terrifically well known. So yeah, I mean, but that that's something he can kind of yeah. hang. His you know what with. I love is that this is more of a Hogan thing than anything else. I guess it's like if you actually dive into like Hogan drew like incredibly well with Bossman's one of them. I think Kamala is like one of the top guys. Yeah, and it wasn't. It was also like Orndorff, right? Like yeah, all three Orndorf. of those guys, I think, like did like gangbusters numbers with him yeah like like tens of thousands of dollars every show yeah those are the guys yeah i'm sure there are more i think even like drew well against uh uh henning's like the only real bomb he had didn't he have a feud in the did he i know he rude had like a feud with warrior did did hogan have like a brief feud with rude or no, I don't think they ever met. Hmm. I think Hogan even had like a mini feud with like Poffo. He did, Poffo. he did, because they had a Saturday night's main event. Yeah. Uh, match. Like with Harley Race, that was all, that was when, I think I said this on the podcast like ages ago, like years ago. But it's like, that's, like when I started watching, I was still young. So when I started watching, now I figured this out like early. It wasn't like, oh, I found out wrestling was fake and like, 2012 <laughs> it's like no um maybe i started watching 92 maybe like by 90 late 92 or 93 i'm like oh no this isn't legit <laughs> but i watched like an old like best of wwe something i watched something uh some old like coliseum home video and it was like hogan versus harley race and i don't know what Vin- vince wasn't obviously doing quality control back in the day and it was like three matches of hogan versus race back when when harley was doing the whole king thing and they did the match and they did the match it was three it was they literally showed the matches like back to back three matches they did the same fucking spots and the same sequence i'm like wait a, i was like wait a minute what's well, like, you were you were working. how did they do the same match over and over again it's yeah. like i was like wait a minute this is a legit it's uh season or two of, of family guys like they're phonies they're great big phonies well that's actually what changed my mind about hogan i think and as a side note i think he did have a program with terry funk in like 85 but um there was like i got some a bunch of tapes off of ebay and they had a bunch of his house show matches from like 85 and 86 mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, like these matches are all like highly entertaining. And then like 24 seven came out and then I started seeing like house shows. I'm like, huh, 
Hogan seems to always have the most entertaining match. Like maybe he's a lot better than he gets credit for. Well, and I'm sure like once you guys may have actually saw um, his like Japanese work, you're like, mm-hmm. oh my god, Hogan can actually work. Especially like his his early like his early '80s matches when he was like wrestling Anoki, and then like the early '90s matches when it was like that that brief but weird. Uh, but awesome, uh, like WWF huh. slash War Wrestling Romance, the Tenru. It wasn't. It promotion. wasn't. Um, it was. It was the precursor to um, War. It was like SWS or something. Oh, you're right. You're right. But it was like I, that's why I'm calling it War. It was like it was another Tenru promotion. But that uh, that was awesome. I need a. I think. Well, I don't think I have that. Back in the day, I I got like there was a couple. I think they did like super card shows. Where it was like WWF workers that appeared on a couple SWS shows, and I think I got those on videotape from Lynch. I need to, Lynch. I need to get them because there's some really weird matches on there. I'm trying to look them up. Oh, they were, but I got them. I don't think I ever watched them because it's like I I had like a lot of wrestling stuff and I was like damping my toe into tape trading, which I said before. It's like it's not really tape trading. It's like I'm just buying stuff from like guys like Jeff Lynch, but. I had like a lot of stuff and like, oh, that's like next up. And then I never got it. And then it's like the times changed and now everything was transitioning to DVD. So it's like I never actually burned them to DVD back in the day when I had like a DVD burner. So and now like everything I I maybe like in the deepest, darkest parts of storage in a storage shed out <laughs> in my <laughs> in my backyard, I might have like a VHS tape, but it's like. I don't even think the cables would work on that if I try to plug that in my my TV. So I, I don't know about that. I meant to just reorder those shows from from Jeff Lynch, but it had like crazy stuff. It was like Hogan versus somebody. It was uh, like the Road Warriors versus people. Um, I don't <laughs> I don't think it's like from those shows, but like around that same time, I seen oh, I've always seen clips of it, but it was like a Tenru versus Randy Savage match in the early '90s, and I told you guys about that. I, I think I posted like the clips of like the match they had together. And I'm like, holy shit, like Randy Savage, I don't think ever had like an extended run in Japan, but it's like, he should have. It's like he, he and, and Tenru were like going balls to the wall and they were like, hang. Savage was hanging. He was like, yeah. it, it, it seemed like an awesome slash violent match. I'm like, God damn, like Savage and like nineties, all Japan would have like rocked. I'm looking at some of the matches, but they're they're kind of split up. Mm. King Haku has a lot of matches in here. In, in SWS? Yeah. There's um King Haku the Barbarian Yoshiaki Yatsu against Tenru Takano and Shunji Takano. George Takano and Sh- uh, Shunji. Interesting. Hmm. Tenru versus Tito Santana. That was probably interesting. Yeah, there's Tenru versus... Oh, so, okay, it looks like... Uh, okay, so I, I got distracted. I looked it up. Uh, it's, it's, there was a December 12, 1991. There was a SWS WWF Super Wrestle 1991 card. That one looks to be the one that has the infamous uh, 
Kenta Koji Katao match. Oh god. Ooh. I found one from uh, April of that year that has the Tenru versus Savage match. Yeah. Oh, Ultimo Dragon versus Jerry Estrada. That's got to be good. Uh King Aku Yoshiaki Yatsu versus Ashurahara Davy Boy Smith. That's probably decent. Rockers versus George and Shunji Takano. It's probably okay. Million Dollar Man versus Kerry Von Eric. Uh Kerry wasn't that great, but and that was kind of like towards the end of DPS's career. Ooh, this one has the the Road Warriors versus Tenru and Hogan. Oh, that's gotta be good. That's actually probably really good. Yeah. Um Doom versus Natural Disasters. Like, that could be match, or it could be uh, Vance. Maybe they brought their working boots, both, both group. Uh, Tenure versus Hulk Hogan. That's probably actually really good. Wow. I'm going to have to, like, I'm going to have to, like, send an email to Jeff Lynch and be like, what do you got from uh, SWS? Yeah. <laughs> They did a lot right. of shows. Yeah. Uh, with WWF. Well, guys, I think uh, I think that's about a good place to put a capper on it. Um, unless there's anything I'm missing, but uh, no, I think that's about everything. So uh, everybody out there, um, you know, make sure you hug those close to you. Well, you got the chance. And um, if you had any any stories or uh, any memories or anything you'd want to share, uh, p- please feel free to hit us on social media. So this is uh, Shad with uh, Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>